This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers, helping you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane, reminding you that you're a person first and a teacher second and you are allowed to look after you. everybody and welcome to season six of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. I am so excited to be here and back on your airwaves and back in your earbuds every week for the next 10 weeks at least. Today, I'm really excited to share with you the voicemails that I have received since I asked for listeners to call in and leave me a voicemail for season six. Um, So, that was a call out that I put out you know, around August, September of 2019, and I asked you to answer the question, thinking back on your first year of teaching, what did you learn about staying healthy and cultivating well-being as a person and as a teacher? Or to put it another way, what advice would you give your first year teacher self about staying healthy and cultivating well-being as a teacher? Now, Really importantly, this is not advice for first-year teachers. This is people reflecting on the advice they would give themselves as first-year teachers, reflecting on their own career and their own life. And I think that that's an important distinction to make because anyone who is teaching as a first-year teacher this year in 2020 is experiencing something none of us experienced as first-year teachers, of course, which is this global pandemic. But also, I think the reason I think it's a, a more important question or, or a more powerful question to say what advice would you give yourself as a first-year teacher is it can be really easy to give advice to others, unsolicited advice of often. You know, it's really easy to know what other people should do or to, to – because we have a bit of distance on other people's stuff and it's really easy to tell them what we think the answer is. And it's not always the answer and it's also not always helpful to that person. So, what I believe is more helpful and one of the ways I believe we learn most effectively as human beings and and learning life lessons here I'm talking about, not, you know, literacy and numeracy, but one of the ways I think we learn life lessons most effectively is through the stories of others because we can take something that somebody else has shared in a story about their own life or their own experiences and we can that causes us to reflect on our own situation and then we can think well how would i respond what can i take from that story what what can i learn from the mistakes that person made or what can i learn from the successes that person had how can i apply what they did in my own life and i think that is much more important and much more effective really than blanket advice giving. I mean, tips and tricks are great, but I also think that so often if we approach it from, well, I'm no longer a first-year teacher, so therefore I'm going to give advice to the current first-year teacher crop, I don't think that's as helpful either as actually getting ourselves to pause and reflect on our own experiences and what we have actually learned. And then Of course, all of this advice applies, I think, to all of us at any stage of our life and career. So, yes, these answers are from teachers reflecting on what they wish they knew as a first-year teacher and what they would give as advice to themselves if they could go back in time and talk to themselves. 
But, of course, all of them are really talking about ways that they have now changed or lessons they have learned or things that they now apply in their life as older, wiser selves. And, of course, in 10 years' time, you know, we could do another kind of exercise like this and they could look back on their own life to now and, of course, give themselves some more wise advice from their older, wiser self. So, I just want to preface this episode, I suppose, with that. that If you are a first-year teacher listening, this is not necessarily advice to you because especially this year, it is the strangest first-year teaching situation ever. But also to everyone listening at any stage of life and career, think about and hear these stories and then use them as prompts to reflect on your own situation and, and what you will take and what might apply to you and what and what might work for you, what you can learn from these stories, and then leave the rest. Let it go because if it doesn't apply to you or it doesn't feel like it's a right fit, that's okay too. So, I just wanted to share that and um, and I think it, I, I do think that you will get a lot out of this episode because there is some wonderful wisdom shared here today. Now, I didn't get quite as many responses uh, to the voicemail call out as I had hoped, uh, but podcast listener behavior is an interesting thing. Unlike on social media or other online platforms where you can immediately click links, with podcasts it's a little bit harder because so many people are listening to podcasts while they're doing other things, driving a car or commuting on public transport or exercising outdoors or in a gym or doing chores around the home. Um, so your hands are busy when you're listening and it's, you know, it's not very easy to pause and click a link. And also, especially if you're driving, touching your phone is absolutely out of the question. So what that means is that people often hear something on a podcast and something that they think, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll take some action there. But then they don't when they finish listening because they've arrived at their destination or they have to, you know, finish whatever task they're doing. And you just forget. And I totally understand this because it happens to me too. But what it does mean is that I am going to be a little bit more proactive, I suppose, in my reminders this season um, at different points in the podcast about some of the things that I have to share with you. And um, especially at the end of episodes, I'm going to be more proactive about reminding you of the actions that I would like you to take because um, I have some cool stuff coming up in the next couple of months, but I also have things that I really need your help with and that I literally can't do unless you, the listeners, click the link and go and do the thing to help me go and do my thing. So, I am going to be a little bit more proactive with my reminders, just a heads up, I suppose. But um, the main thing is, I guess the main thing that I want you to know about and take some action on, um, if you are listening to this in May and or early June 2020, when this goes to air, I am crowdfunding at the moment uh, because podcasts are free to listen to, but they are not free to make. So, Season six is happening anyway. Obviously, it's it's starting right now and I'm running season six um, concurrently with the crowdfunding campaign. But whether season six ends up being 10 episodes or 18 episodes is, you know, one of the questions that the outcome of the crowdfunding campaign will answer and also whether season seven happens at all. So, that's really why I'm crowdfunding is hopefully to get season seven on the air this this year as well. And you might remember that I, I did also do a crowdfunding campaign for season five and it was it was really really, 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 really helpful. And so, I share a lot more details about the crowdfunding campaign um, in the in the last episode of season five, which is, you know, the previous one in your podcatcher, if you just scroll back. 
So you can go and listen to that um, and you can also read all about it on the crowdfunding campaign at possible.com. So I will put the full link in the description of this episode. But if you go to possible.com, now that's P-O-Z-I-B-L-E.com. So it's like possible with a Z instead of two S's. If you go to possible.com and you search teacher well-being in the search bar, you it will come up and you will see the different ways that you can support the show. So you can pledge as little as $5 and then there are different rewards for different amounts. So I, you know, I do obviously need to raise some money to get uh, this podcast happening throughout the rest of this year. Um, but I also do want you to know that every little bit helps and there are a range of ways that you can support as well if you go there and, and have a have a read through that. So, the way crowdfunding works, it's all or nothing. If we don't reach the goal amount, which this year is 2500 Australian dollars, then nobody pays anything. So, please go over and pledge today. If you're not driving at the moment, then I would love it if you could actually pause what you're doing. Pause the show right now click the link in the description and go and make a pledge today and so that we can keep this show on the air and in your earbuds for the rest of the year. All right, so that is the kind of the main thing that I want you to know about and the main thing I'd love for you to take action on. But then I just have a couple more updates that I thought I'd share with you before we get into the notes to our first year teacher selves episode. So, the biannual teacher health and well-being survey will be open again in June 2020. So you might remember that I shared the results of the 2018 survey on the podcast in season four. I will put a link in the show notes if you want to go and um, listen to that. But I just wanted to let you know that that's coming up again. Uh, and I really, I hope to be able to provide some really good data about the state of teachers' health and well-being in Australia, you know, this year. And, and I think it'll be particularly interesting given that we are obviously, it, it has been an extremely unusual teaching year so far. Because as you know, my goal really is to be the voice of teachers and to be an advocate for teachers in Australia. And so, you know, data definitely helps with that. It is only open to teachers teaching in Australia and teaching this year in Australia. So, apologies to our international listeners and also anyone, you know, who's maybe overseas for a bit or taking leave or whatever. But I would love for you to be involved and to give your responses if that uh, is you. So, stay tuned for that. I will definitely be sharing some links to that uh, when it opens up in June. Also, back at the start of 2020, I ran a free five-day workshop series on teacher well-being and resilience, and it was really well received. And I've had a lot of requests for the replays. And I was, by now, actually by the end of you know, March, planning to have loaded them all into the new and improved self-care for teachers freebies library um, in the resource room. But as I'm sure is the case for you as well, 2020 hasn't quite gone to plan and the new and improved freebies library is still in creation mode. So, it's not live yet. But what that does mean is that I am holding a replay week of those workshops starting June 29th, which is the beginning of the school holidays for some states and then other states, I think that's the last week of term two. Um, so, those replays will be available for you to watch during the school holidays. It'll be open for a couple of weeks because, yeah, I do just think that that information was very relevant in January 2020 and I think it's still extremely relevant and will be extremely helpful in June 2020 as well So and July. So, do go and check out the Facebook event for that because they will be broadcast free in there. So, go over to facebook.com forward slash self-care for teachers to sign up for that. 
And speaking of events, I've also been running a series of masterclasses with my husband, Stuart, who is an exercise physiologist, and they're all about fatigue resilience. So we've run a couple of those so far um, about different aspects of managing and mitigating fatigue, um, which I know is a huge problem for teachers. And there's another one coming up on the 30th of May, which is about stress and how that impacts fatigue and what we can do about it. And the one after that will be on sleep, which is a huge topic. Um, that will be on June 27th. So they're all virtual masterclasses, jam-packed with information and research and practical applications. You can get tickets at Eventbrite. And again, I'll put a link in the description. Or you can find it in the events section of the Self-Care for Teachers Facebook page. So that's the other place to be checking. And if you missed the first two, you can actually get the replays as rewards on the gold or platinum supporter level of the crowdfunding campaign. So again, little reminder to pause right now, head on over to possible.com and search Teacher Wellbeing to support the podcast there. And that yeah, you can get yourself a copy of the replay of some of those fatigue resilient masterclasses too. Uh, alrighty, that's enough from me. Here are the first three listener answers to the question, thinking back on your first year of teaching, what did you learn about staying healthy and cultivating well-being as a person and as a teacher? Or to put it another way, what advice would you give your first-year teacher self about staying healthy and cultivating well-being? Hi, my name is Melinda from Western Australia. And in my first year of teaching, my advice would be rest. Find time to rest. Everything takes so long in your first year because you don't know what you don't know. Physically, it takes so much longer to set things up, to find things. And one thing I found was I really needed that rest time. Not only does it physically take time to do things, but mentally. And if I hadn't rested, it was so hard for me to think clearly for each day, each week, each term that came about. So that's me giving my advice for my first year of teaching. Hi, I am Michelle from New South Wales. In my first year as a teacher, I was a complete perfectionist. I put so much pressure on myself to look like an expert and to be the best first-year teacher there ever was. <laughs> Uh, I guess as a result, my 5am arrivals at school became really regular. Um, my standards became unattainably high and my own expectations meant that I was really harsh on myself, especially if I wasn't blowing everyone's mind away every day. If I had my time over again, I would tell myself that I just needed to chill that it was okay to ask questions and learn more without having to look like I had it all under control. I would speak kindly to myself, especially when I was celebrating things that I had achieved instead of berating myself for not having done everything. I would have taken the time out to celebrate myself. Um, so rather than sort of just pushing on to the next task straight away. I also wish I had known about journaling. This would have been such a great way for me to process the day and to allow me not to take so much of that burden home with me. I would have made sure I had some more time for just tuning out. 
some really traditional self-care time like baths and exercise and, and more nutritious food. But I also would have enforced this time to complete less of the, I guess, fun self-care tasks like keeping on top of my appointments and just my life min tasks in general. I feel that this would have lessened the burden of my subconscious worries and this would have meant that my shoulders wouldn't have felt so heavy and my mind wouldn't have been so active all the time. The last thing I would have made or I wish I had known was how I could be a consciously active thinker so that I was in control of the thoughts that I was having and how that created the feelings that I was having um, and how I was in control of that, how I could change that to be um, to gain more clarity and more calmness in my day. I think this would have been absolutely liberating for me in my first year. So, yeah, lots to reflect on and lots to learn. Hi, this is Elisa from Queensland. I learnt very early on to cultivate my well-being by separating myself, myself as a person and myself as a teacher because my first teaching role was in a remote regional area. I learnt and I actually used to say to parents, unless I'm physically standing in the school, I'm not talking about school. So that meant that I could go purchase my groceries in the afternoon without having a parent-teacher interview in the grocery aisle. This was a blessing in disguise because this gave me permission to be a person in the community, to enjoy the things that the community offered without having to always be the teacher. So I started my teaching career very clearly as a person and as that person being the teacher. I think what I also learned, and I'm probably still learning it, is that my worth is not measured by what I achieve at school, that that doesn't measure who I am. And sometimes that can be quite a hard lesson to learn. Amen. I could not have said it better myself. Your worth is not measured by what you achieve at school. You are a person first and a teacher second, and you are worthy of your own care regardless of what you have or have not achieved or accomplished in your work life, your professional life. So thank you to Melinda and Michelle and Elisa for those wonderful reflections, the messages of the importance of rest, of taking the pressure off and not needing to be perfect, not having such high expectations of yourself, of not beating yourself up when things don't go so well and of celebrating when things do go well those are so important and also of speaking kindly to ourselves in all cases. I just think that's so relevant all the time, but especially right now, whether we are first-year teachers or have decades of experience, we all need those reminders sometimes and, yeah, a little bit of permission. So you have permission to look after you. And I really liked Michelle's point in the middle there too about journaling and the power of that practice and, you know, how it can help to decompress from the day and process our challenges or our frustrations so we don't take them home with us. It is such a powerful practice. And I actually have a wonderful interview with a teacher and writer coming up this season all about that. So, if that's something you're interested in, hit subscribe in your podcast app so that you uh, definitely get that 
uh, as soon as it arrives into the podcatchers because it's a truly powerful conversation. That's with Beth coming up later in the season. Okay, so the next couple of voicemails are from Wendy and Brenda, and I am sure you'll see why even though both of these were recorded late last year, well before COVID turned the world upside down, the messages are especially relevant right now. Hi, my name is Brenda, and I have now left teaching as a career. The one thing I wish was instilled in me from the beginning of my teaching career is that it is not a sin to take a sick day. I could not count the number of times I dragged myself to school, not at all well, believing it was better to be at work. I believed I would have a mountain of work to catch up if I had a day off, that important things for that day could not be rescheduled, that it was better for me to be there than the students have a supply teacher, that if I was away, other teachers would get an extra load. The list goes on. However, I know in reality kids survive with a change of teacher. They may not always be the best behaved with changes, but that isn't actually my problem. I can pick up the pieces when I return. Meetings can be rescheduled and people do understand. And if staff pick up an extra duty, so be it. I cover for others at different times. No one pats you on the back and says, thanks for coming in today when you aren't well. When I finished with the Department of Education, I had a mountain of sick leave owing to me. No one said, wow, you have been a terrific employee. Thanks, heaps. After 37 plus years, that is what my letter said, I received a pen. Wow. So my advice to self is that sick leave is there for a reason. It isn't just for when you're dying of some nasty plague. It is there for you to take when you need it. Even an R&R day can be great and put you in a better headspace to last out the term. As the saying goes, you can't pour from an empty glass. Sure, you don't waste your leave and use it every day just because you can, but I needed to know I am entitled to sick leave. I should have used it when I needed it. Hi, I'm Wendy from Victoria. I'm really excited about this opportunity as it, as it goes straight to my teacher heart. I've been teaching for over 20 years and I currently help teachers to implement self-care strategies through coaching. But looking back, gosh, I just turned 21 when I finished my four-year degree. So I was very young when I started teaching at an international school. And after a year of teaching, maybe two years, it really quickly became clear to me how much I was giving to the job and how little I felt was coming back to me. So not from the students, but more from leadership and management. So I guess it taught me an immensely valuable lesson, and that was where to draw the line. Draw the line with regards to how much I should give. I mean, I remember I was standing in the classroom with a mild fever because I felt guilty if someone else had to take my class. I was utterly exhausted at the end of that day. That wasn't very smart. I, I do see that. But that's just one example. And I quickly realized that the length I would go to as a teacher would not necessarily be returned in feeling more appreciated or valued. Also, 
those first years taught me to draw the line because if I leave, someone else will just take my place, right? This is a business after all. And whether I would leave to a different school or I would leave because of sick leave, well, for the school didn't really matter. Another teacher would take my place. So realizing that it ensured that my choices afterwards were all about self-care, not because I was selfish, but it enabled me to see that schools are run like businesses. I see a lot of teachers I work with being asked to take on all sorts of roles in schools, which can take a fair bit of time like from committees and working groups, review and development groups. I can't help but think the school is a business and teachers only have so much time. So the question really is to a principal or any business manager, if you want me to do this, what is something you would like me to not do instead? Or perhaps even put on hold for a little while. I think a powerful question like that is a very valid question and it opens up a dialogue with leadership about workload expectations and self-care. Thanks. That is such an important question. And while I don't agree that schools are like business because, you know, I'm in business myself now and it's obvious to me that there are some very distinct differences between schools and businesses, the question of if you want me to do this extra thing, what task will you take off my plate? That is a really, really good question. So each of us only have a limited capacity and this pattern of adding more and more to the curriculum, to the role description of teachers and educators and school leaders, it has got to stop. It's a wicked problem because, you know, this workload thing, it doesn't have only one cause or one simple solution. But as Wendy says, we can all get better at drawing the line for ourselves. And it's so important to keep in mind that if you are unwell or if you're absent or change schools, that school will have to replace you because they have to, because the students have to have a teacher and because organizations have to perpetuate themselves. So, I think it's it's probably more helpful to think about schools as organizations rather than businesses because businesses really have a focus on profit and schools don't. They certainly should not anyway. That is not the purpose of businesses. So, I really think if we flip it more to be about organizations and the way that organizations have structures in place that are set up so that the organization continues and doesn't you know, rest only on one person in particular, that's probably a more helpful reframe, I think. But you know, it is such a good message that Wendy shares, which is basically that you are not irreplaceable. So, you should definitely not go to school if you are sick. I think we all know that now more than ever. But also, you just need to remember that the place that you are irreplaceable is in your own life. It's not at school. School will replace you if they have to because they have to. Uh, But your family, your loved ones, your friends, you know, they cannot replace you because that is where you really are irreplaceable. And I also love Brenda's reminder that you are entitled to use your own sick leave, right? I know that many of you right now are possibly in the opposite position that Brenda was in. You know, she was saying she got to the end of her career and had heaps of sick leave, you know, that hadn't been used. But I know that many of you are maybe actually feeling that you don't have enough sick leave to be taking a day off right now, you know, at the slightest symptom just in case it's coronavirus. And I hope soon that our governments and unions will come to some agreements about, you know, providing extra sick leave for those situations because it is such an important issue. But I think it's still a good reminder. You are entitled to use your sick leave, especially, you know, right now. Um, But just all the time. Remember, if you're sick, that's what it's there for. 
that sick leave is yours and you do not have to save it up. It is yours to use. So, you know, you're allowed to use it when you need it. All right. I want to share with you now a voicemail from Trudy, who you may know from teacherthriving.com. And you might remember that Trudy was a guest way back in season three. And I'm going to get her back on the podcast later this season too, because uh, she has so much wisdom to share. So, this voicemail is actually a little bit longer than the others, and it's a little bit different and a broader answer to the question, which Trudy will explain for you. However, I think it is such a powerful answer, you know, and reflection to this question that I pose, and it's it's powerful for all of us and and again, at any stage of your career, but it's it's just a really, really brilliant response. So thank you, Trudy. For all of you listeners who, like me, are highly sensitive, I do want to just give a little bit of a warning that in this message, Trudy does touch briefly on some of the most heartbreaking and poignant parts of our work as teachers. So it might make you well up with tears a bit like it did me, but that's okay. We can just sit in our feelings that come up from hearing stories like this. And the message at the end is so worth it. So without further ado, here's Trudy. Hi, it's Trudy here from Teachers Thriving. I um, had the privilege of speaking to Beginning Teachers Conference a couple of years ago and in preparing for the presentation, I wrote a letter to myself reflecting back on my career and what I probably wanted myself to know as a young beginning teacher. So when Ellen put the call out for some advice that you would want when you were first starting out. Um, I've actually dug the letter out that I wrote to myself and thought I'd share it here with a few tweaks. It actually talks broader than self-care and well-being, but I think the messages in here are helpful and not just for beginning teachers, but for all educators and Even for myself now, it's still a great reminder of things that I need to keep front and centre. So here is the letter that I wrote to myself. Dear 20-year-old Trudy, you're about to embark on an amazing adventure that will span more than 30 years and will not only change your life but will become your life. As you take up duties on your first day of school as the teacher rather than the student, You are starting something that will become so much more than just a job. Be proud you are joining the teaching profession of state school educators. Over time, you'll make friends and connections with colleagues in your school. Over the years, as you transfer and move around the state, this will grow and expand. Within the department, it's a small world. They talk about six degrees of separation. In Education Queensland, it's two degrees. You will come to understand and appreciate the shared experiences, connections and networks with other educators who have a shared moral purpose through the values that state education stands for. Some of the people you work with will be lifelong friends and career mentors. Some people will be in your life for a short time and you'll never see again. There will be others you'll form friendships with And when you make the effort to catch up, it will be like picking up where you left off. Everyone will teach you something, even if it is what not to do or what you don't want to be like as an educator. Some will see your potential and believe in you. 
sometimes more than you believe in yourself. They're prepared to invest in you. Work on these relationships. Invest in them in return. Make the effort to stay connected even after you move on. As a beginning teacher, you will start to take opportunities to build skills and expertise. Opportunities like teaching different year levels, different subjects, moving to different schools, participating in committees, managing programs, getting involved in community initiatives will increase your knowledge and skills. This will also allow you to work with different people and learn new things ready for the next challenge. The opportunities you take will take you places. In other words, get comfortable with being out of your comfort zone because it is in this place that you will learn the most. While many of your friends make plans to travel and work overseas, and you could easily take your teaching qualification and do the same, you will discover that working for the department allows you to work and live in some of the most unique parts of Queensland with the security of a permanent position. While some take overseas teaching exchanges to the UK or the USA or volunteer in countries like Vietnam or India, you get the opportunity to teach in Burktown. With all of 33 students, most of them with Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander backgrounds. Population 173, located 450 kilometres from Concurry, 180k of dirt road which is unpassable for four months every year. You will come to see it as your most challenging and rewarding professional experience. You found yourself in Burktown, but it could have been Hamilton Island, Saibai Island, Thargaminda or Stonehenge. You quickly start a bad habit of taking your work with you wherever you go. You pack up a tidy tray of marking, planning or resource prep and load it in the boot of your car if you're going away for the weekend or even heading off on holidays. Really. Then there comes a time when you take the tidy tray home and then you take it back to work and realise you haven't done any of the work in it. At this point, stop it. Stop taking your work on holidays with you. Work-life balance is a thing. The birth of your sons will also help you learn this lesson. As you are starting out as a beginning teacher, you will not be looking too far ahead of just surviving the next day at school and then the next week and then the next month. But trust me, in the future, amazing career opportunities are ahead of you. With your unique skill set, passion and being prepared to learn, you'll find there are any number of specialty roles just waiting for someone with the skill set you have developed. You'll find yourself as a teaching principal in less than four years. Other colleagues take opportunities as heads of curriculum, education advisors, deputy principal and guidance officers. Get ready for the oh shit moments. These are the ones where you think, oh shit, what have I done to get myself into this situation? Usually when you've taken on a challenge that is a bit of a stretch in your capability. This is usually followed by feeling that soon someone is going to call you bluff and point out that you really have no special talents to be doing the job you're doing. It's also known as imposter syndrome. Just make a plan and wing it. You'll soon sort it. Others will tell you to fake it till you make it. Girlfriend, over the next 20 plus years, you are going to lose sleep stressing about things that you think are important at the time. But as I write this letter, I can't even recall them. You will spend hours rehearsing conversations in your head, 
analysing conversations that were had, making copious notes, recording stuff, preparing stuff, fixing stuff. Seriously, don't stress the small stuff. Just keep asking yourself, a year from now, will this matter? You will face challenges you will never have dreamed of or that could uh, you have ever been prepared for at Teachers College. Like what to say to Amanda, the little year three girl you teach, when you attend the funeral for her toddler sister who drowned in a cattle dip on the family property. Or how you are going to tell the year seven class on Monday that their classmate Tara was tragically killed in a car accident along with her mother over the weekend. Or how you are going to fill in the student protection form about the girl who has not only told you about mum's drug use, but bought in family photos to point out the bong on the table and knows where to buy the drugs in her local town. And just when you thought you've seen and done it all, there will be something else that will challenge your white, middle-class, conservative, Christian upbringing, and you will be a better, stronger person for having lived it. The children you teach will grow up to do amazing things. Some you will meet up again with later in life. Jared, for example, forms a country music band with his brothers and tours regional and rural Queensland playing covers and their own original songs. Alice ends up travelling the world and then settles in New York as an executive business coach. Tonya returns to Burketown with a qualification to work in the mining industry and Jacob scores a contract with North Queensland Cowboys and their New Zealand Warriors and plays for Queensland in State of Origin, cheered on by his family and most of far North Queensland. Then there's Chris, Haley, and Shannon, who you run into again in staff rooms, in schools, as they also became teachers. When you meet these past students again, you want to feel proud that you've done your part in setting them up as successful adults and help them become the best versions of themselves. In time, you'll realise that every day, in some small way, you can make a difference. It could be the difference in a child's life. It may be a parent or even a fellow educator. Either way, you're making a difference in the world and moulding the future of the next generation. So ask yourself, what are you going to do today? With much love from your older and wiser self. Thanks for allowing me to share this, Ellen. And as Trudy says, every day in some small way, you can make a difference. If that's the only thing you remember from this episode, then I think that's a good one. So thank you so much to Trudy, Wendy, Brenda, Elisa, Michelle and Melinda for your beautiful voicemails. I know they will make a difference to listeners uh, at whatever stage of life and career they may be at when they listen to this episode. And now, dear listener, you can actually still call in and leave me your voicemails because I've absolutely loved hearing these answers. So you can just go to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash voicemail and all the instructions are there if you would like to leave a voicemail and what you need to do in terms of, you know, headphones and that sort of thing. You can just ask a question. If there's a, something you would like me to answer or cover on the show, you can just ask a question. Um, you can also, of course, answer this reflective question that the lovely listeners this episode have done. So, answering what you wish you had known in your first year or what advice you would give your first year teacher self about cultivating health and well-being as a person first and a teacher second. So, you can definitely do that reflection activity and send me your answers because I would love to do a sort of follow-up to this episode. 
But I also at the moment would love to hear from you about your experience in this pandemic. And in particular, I would like to spark some reflection for you on what you have learned from this pandemic, I suppose, about health and well-being as a person and as a teacher that you're going to take forward with you. And and maybe the flip of that is what you've actually decided to stop doing or what you're letting go of. So, I think we've all learned a bit about what really matters. And I know that many of you have I suppose, a renewed appreciation for the colleagues that you work with and the uh, support systems that you have in place and the wonderful times that we do get to have when, you know, business is as usual, when things are kind of normal and the wonderful times that we do get to have with the students in the classroom when things are, quote unquote, normal. But I, yeah, I would really like to hear what you're taking forward with you. What is maybe just one thing that you have let go of or one thing that you've really kind of cemented your learning in about how important it is and what you're going to take forward with you into the new normal that is to come? I mean, I ideally hope that we have all very much learned that lesson about, you know, soldiering on and just not doing that anymore and that we were all going to let go of that culture of going into work sick, like like some of our um, responses were talking about this episode. So that's something that I think collectively, not just us in schools, but in all parts of society, that's something I hope that we are leaving behind to the pre-corona times and going forward we will do more individually and collectively to make sure that we incentivize people to stay home when they're sick instead of the other way around. Um, But so I would love to hear your questions and also your answers as a voicemail. And all the details, like I said, are at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash voicemail. And as we wrap this episode up, please also remember to pledge your support for the possible crowdfunding campaign for the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast this year. Um, So, it's a crowdfunding campaign that's really only open for a few weeks, uh, but it will determine the podcast for the rest of the year. So, the link is in the description. I would so appreciate it if you could go and do that right now before you forget and then share the link with your teaching colleagues too because podcasts are free to listen to, but they are not free to make. And with your support, I'm looking forward to finishing season six and being able to follow it up with season seven later in 2020. So, thank you in advance for your support of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Go and pledge right now. And as always, remember that you are a person first and a teacher second, and you are worthy of your own care. May you continue to look after yourself wholeheartedly this year, be a beacon of inspiration for others, and an example to encourage your colleagues to do the same. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, hit the three dots, share it to your Facebook or Instagram stories and let your friends know that you're listening. And if something in this episode made you think about a teacher that you care about and you think they need to hear it, send it to them now. Let's spread the message of teacher well-being and together we can create thriving school communities. Show notes for the podcast can be found at www.selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at selfcareforteachers. As always, remember you're a person first and a teacher second and you are worthy of your own care.